This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Hello, and welcome back. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and G.H. Baker Professor of Marketing here at the Wharton School. And I'm here with my co-host, Professor Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing here at Wharton. Very excited to be here. You know, it's interesting, Barbara. We're talking about influencers. Uh, influencers. Uh, just a couple uh, in the last segment with uh, Richard Wong. There's a new study out uh, in Stanford uh, done by some economists, and they basically show that uh, they, it's a very interesting analysis that shows that you don't do any better uh, in terms of influence when you actually try to optimally target super influencers versus just randomly seeding additional people in a network. Huh. It's interesting. So yeah. like this, getting back to Richard's point about trying to figure out the nuances of what go, what spreads and what goes viral and, and the characteristics of what really, really, really good influencers are is a big part of this puzzle that we're trying to solve, essentially. From here. the brand point from of view. From the brand's point of view. Right. And yeah. our next guest is going to look at it more from the influencer yeah. point of She's view. She's a successful influencer. She's very successful. Yeah. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Marketing Matters airs live Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and it's replayed several times throughout the week. And our next guest, as America's just alluded to, is a fashion blogger. Her name is Danielle Bernstein. Uh, she's she's uh, her, flash, her blog is We Wore What? And she's a social media influencer and quite successful. Hello, Danielle. Hey, guys. How's it going? You're going very well. Thanks for asking, Danielle. So we're going to have you... I love what you just said, by the way. Which one? That you're very successful? (laughs) (laughs) No. Right before that is what was just written in the article, and obviously we could talk about that a little more. Oh, oh, excellent. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's great. Awesome. Um, I I think a lot of people will be in... You know, you are very successful. You have a lot. How many followers do you have today? I have about 1.8 million followers, wow. but about 2.2 across all my channels. Wow. Oh, Congratulations. Yes, that is that fantastic. That is amazing. So I need you to start from the beginning and tell us how you got from nothing <laughs> yes. to there. Yeah. How did you build this you're, audience? you're what, 26 years old? I'm 26 years old. Yeah. I started, oh my God, I guess about almost nine years ago now. Uh, I had just transferred from the University of Wisconsin-Madison to FIT. And, you know, most people don't know this, but We Were What actually started as a street style blog. Mm. I was at campus and I picked up a camera, taught myself how to use it and really wanted to show my friends back at Wisconsin how they should be dressing for school. Mm. Hence, We Were What. It was, you know, we as in the girls of New York City, what we're wearing. Oh, that's so funny because you're at FIT with all the fashion influencers and right. you've got your friends back in Wisconsin who don't know anything. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I was a street style photographer and eventually I flipped the camera on on myself and started photographing my personal style. And that's mm. when I really started to gain a lot of followers and saw the potential of it to become a business. Mm. Um, but I was still in school. I was a sophomore in college. And so, you know, I really wanted to start focusing on my blog and see if it could become a legitimate business. And I took a semester off of school and I said to my dad, you know, help me hang on here in New York City, and if I if I can't support myself by the end of the semester, then I'll go back to school and I'll let this go. So, okay, and so there's a couple of things you said in there that I think are really interesting. So originally you started out kind of like a reporter and showing your friends yep. what's, what's in, what's not in, what's style. What motivated you to turn the camera on yourself? I mean, I can't imagine I would ever quite do that. So I don't know how you get from here to there to think that you're interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that I was, you know, my style was developing and I was growing up in New York City. And so I was being exposed to so much more fashion than I had ever experienced. And so 
you know, I wanted to be able to share how I was putting together outfits and, you know, how I was dressing and how I thought others should dress mm-hmm. too. And mm-hmm. when I, when I started posting myself, I saw that that really resonated with my followers. People were like, whoa, that's who's behind the camera. And I, you know, I have a big personality and I was able to start showing that and mm. we were what became Danielle or what, but not really. So, so <laughs> you had a big personality. So that means it was mostly videos. It wasn't mostly video. I mean, there was a component to it within my captioning and, you know, when oh, I see. came out and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think I was just able to show more of me. Yeah, let me let me ask a question, Danielle, to build on Barbara's point here. because This is really fascinating. So when you turn the camera on yourself, you said, now I'm going to start, you know, showing, you know, you started from this journalistic perspective. And now I'm going to start, you know, talking about my own style. What is your style? And, like, what are the different, like, categories of style and what makes your approach to fashion and how you think about it, you know, how would you describe it, you know, in terms I of... Mean, I mean, people ask me that all the time, and I really don't think there is one word to describe my style. Okay. I think my travels and living in New York City has influenced the way that I dress uh, drastically. But, you know, I could one day be really edgy, the next day be uptown and chic, and mm. the next day be super boho. It, it really depends <laughs> on how I'm feeling, and I think... I'm able to, you know, put myself into all those different roles while mm. still maintaining an aesthetic that feels really true to me. And I think my followers have been able to see that throughout the years and have followed me for advice on, you know, how to achieve those different styles while still yes. feeling like themselves. So did you, so you were talking also, you thought that what America said about that study was interesting, which suggests, you know, how do you find your influences and things? Did you kind of do kind of experimentation and see like when you posted this way mm. you got more likes or maybe more people started joining on did you did you kind of do some kind of yeah. scientific yeah, experiment I mean, when i started you know it was a complete hobby and the blogging industry didn't even exist so there was a group of us that you know or like the original bloggers that sort of made up the rules as we went along and you know as it started developing more and the industry started becoming more legitimate you know there were laws put in place and practices put in place some things work better than others and contracts changed and the way that we worked with brands changed in certain partnerships but you know I think what you were saying before you know like the power of the influencer what makes us so successful is that we reach such a specific demographic Mm. of consumers Mm -hmm. that are shopping so the purchasing power is there you know traditional advertising is it's a thing of the past you're reaching such a specific audience when you choose to work with someone like me that it's just so much more effective. Okay, so we're going through your transition. You started as a journalist. You turned into the subject of your blog. And now you're suggesting that you started working with brands. How did that relationship begin? Um, when I when I started having brands reach out to me versus me reaching out to them, that's when I started uh, having it become a business. And I signed on, actually, with an agency, a modeling agency that had mm. created a talent division, um, Next Model Management. And this woman, Jennifer Powell, who's still my agent today, she started a talent division at Next for sort of this untraditional talent, which is me and bloggers and musicians and anyone who makes money on social media. And so, you know, we did, we worked together to start to like form these brand partnerships. And then eventually both of us left the agency together and she came in house with me. Mm. Okay. So you're talking about, our past guest talked about that too. There's a third category in here, which is the connect, the connector or the partner. Um, So Mm -hmm. you had an agent that helped you reach out to some of these brands. Yeah, I would have brands reaching out to me, and then I would pass them along to my agent, and we would work together on the contract and the scope of work with the project. And, I I mean, I still to this day am heavily involved with every aspect of my business, from the contract to 
you know, what the actual content will look like. So without getting into specific numbers, but just how, when the first brand reached out to you, was it like for free product? Uh, How did they they offer to pay you right from the beginning? Yeah, it starts as free. Well, actually, it started with me reaching out to the brand and saying, hey, can I loan this product from you? Mm. I'll shoot it for you. Let me show you what I can create. And then they were able to see a certain amount of sales from that or a certain amount of exposure. And Mm -hmm. then it became them sending me the product as gifted items. And then it became from gifted items to, hey, we're going to send you this product, and now we're going to pay you to post about it. Wow. And have you ever heard of brands reaching out to people and saying, uh, not giving them free product, but just giving them a discount? Does that occur also? Um, yes, but someone at my level doesn't, won't yeah, because, really right. do that. But I was just wondering if it, you know, for people who are starting out, and now it's a much more crowded field than it was when you were doing it, is that a legitimate yeah. way to start or not? Yeah, I mean, they would call it a PR discount, right? And I still even do that with some brands now. Um, you know, is there a PR discount, and then you can buy it. I see. So, what is the what exactly is the is the typical uh, scope of work, Danielle? That an influencer will do? Will they will the contract say, think, okay, I'm going to do like 15 posts, one post? Uh, it's going to last really two varies. months. Yeah. Every, every project is so different. I mean, take my partnership with Fiji. That's a one year partnership. That involves X many posts a month with this amount of event hosting and mm. this amount of Instagram stories and this content creation, and oh. that's a one-year contract. Gotcha. And that's one of my biggest partnerships. And then there'll mm-hmm. be something where you know uh, Bloomingdale's will say, "We want you to do three posts over three months," and it, and then we'll do a scope of work that way. Or Henry Bendel's wants a video, but they want a post attached to the video, and then. It really depends, and then based on the amount that a brand wants, Mm -hmm. you know, there's certain – my rates can vary. Gotcha. So I saw a video somewhere online about you where apparently you go to these fashion shows and different brands may sponsor you and you wear their clothes and then you you take pictures of the fashion show. Can you describe that process and how you got into that? Yeah, Fashion Week is one of my busiest times of year. Um, I'll, I'll go to support designers and sit front row at their shows, but then I'll also have certain projects where I'm being paid to sit there and wear their clothing and then post about the fashion show, whether it's on my Instagram stories or on an actual static Instagram post. It, um, it really depends on the brand, but it is a very busy time of year for me, and there's a lot of events, so there'll be appearance fees involved and posting from events at night um, and so on. And uh, how important is it that you look good in the clothes? Very. I mean, I won't wear something <laughs> that I don't. I, I won't wear something that I don't like, and so that's a big part of why I've been successful and have remained successful. My followers trust me. They know mm. I won't promote something that I don't actually believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say learning when to say no is one of the hardest parts of my career because I have turned down a lot of money for projects that I just didn't think fit my brand. Mm. And also I saw somewhere, I think, that you mentioned, and you said it too, that the laws have changed. And now you have to say if you're sponsored or not, but apparently you don't find that a problem. Um, No, because I think at a certain point, you know, the honesty, my followers know when I'm being paid to promote something because I'm honest and forthcoming about it. But I think that as long as they trust that I'm not going to take on a partnership, that I wouldn't want them to purchase Mm -hmm. or 
work with a product that I don't believe in, then it'll then it's fine. Then it's still fine. And one of the yeah. things our past guest asked was, he said it's very important to have conversations. So how, how do you do that? How do you interact with your followers? And, yeah. and do you find that an it's important thing? It's pretty hard thing? to talk yeah. to two million people, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> no, actually, I, I involve my followers in a lot of decision-making by asking questions through Instagram stories or commenting or DMs. And, you know, I ask them what they want to see more of. Would they rather see lifestyle shots or fashion-focused shots? See. Would they... When I'm designing my products for my overalls, they say, do you want to see this in black or white? And, uh, you know, do you want it long or short? And, you know, I try and gauge their co-creation, what they want, because that'll make me more successful in the end. Mm -hmm. And so would you your social media, you you have presence on Facebook, on Instagram, and you have your own blog is I don't know what what is. Yeah, I mean, I have a presence on all of those. But Instagram is where my biggest presence is. And and you use stories uh, because those go away, right? Yes, but stories are wildly successful. Mm. Um, they get seen by more people than are actually liking a post. So we, and because you have to swipe up to, you know, you can link to a website, um, and you have that aspect. Like, I can I just stop you there? We're these immigrants. <laughs> we're we're digital immigrants, so, Danielle. You're 26. Right, you so. grew up with a device in your hand. <laughs> all right. So let's start with this. You got this Instagram story, and you're telling us that it gets more audience than if you just posted on the news feed or whatever it's called an Instagram. And furthermore, that, yeah. excuse me? I said I would argue that, yeah. Okay. So, and then furthermore, you just said something about swiping up and linking to a website. How does all that work? So within an Instagram story, you can oh, you can insert a link so that people can swipe up on your story and be directed to that website. And do you do that for sponsors or you do that just because there's some websites you think your followers should look at? Both. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So how do you – tell me, talk a little bit about how you understand and maintain, Danielle, that you've got – that you're continuing to – maintain a robust relationship with these followers do you track you know folks that you gain and lose and how does this work i mean are you still growing i I have a i have a pretty steady healthy growth rate of a few thousand followers a week so whoa that's great congratulations i have a healthy following of one or two people a day yes that's right (laughs) if if we happen to call our our friends that's right yeah yeah cousin bootsy can you can you follow me on twitter uh oh okay no okay that's fine uh, yeah, so you got a couple thousand coming in every week. That's incredible, Danielle. Yeah, so I try and speak to my new audience as well as my dedicated mm-hmm. followers that have been with me for years. Um, and it's it's really all about being real. And Instagram stories and you know Snapchat, which I don't do really anymore, mm. has allowed me to kind of use that platform as the reality TV version of my life. And gotcha. then my actual static Instagram post with the photos is sort of more like the editorial version. I see. Uh, let That's me just, interesting. Let me reintroduce you. Uh, we're talking to Danielle Bernstein. She's a flash and blogger. She's 26 years old. Mm-hmm. And she has close to 2 million followers on all sorts of different social media outlooks. And she's telling us about how she started uh, just, you know, like you and me, I guess. She could have been just a normal person. <laughs> yep. But somewhere yep. along the line, she yep. turned the camera on herself and became a social media influencer. Right. And brands came to her. And then you started doing... But I, I, sorry, before you say, I would imagine there are a lot of listeners out there that you know are interested in breaking into uh, this influencer market like Danielle has successfully done. Perhaps you have a question for Danielle and Barbara and myself of one eight four four 
Wharton is the number, 1-844-942-7866. But go ahead, Barbara. So I was going to say, I didn't want to interrupt you because I'm really loving this story. I know, it's so awesome. then you started thinking about, when we're now we're, the camera's focused on you, and you started thinking of it as almost your own re- reality yep. TV mm-hmm. show, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of how you... Yeah. How you tell the story. But the other interesting aspect is, that, you know, Danielle's super successful. This is nine years in the making, though, right, Danielle? I mean, it's not like, you yeah. know, you worked, you were grinding on this thing and, like, working this thing. I mean, people think that, oh, you know, I'll just post some stuff and people think it's cool and then, you know, I'll have a, a million followers. I mean, there was a there was a process that you went through in this, right? Yeah, you know, my following is really the product of organic growth over those years. People always ask, you know, what's the secret sauce? When was your big break? And, you know, there's been sort of things along the way that have definitely helped push my following. Um, I remember, I guess it was four years ago now, um, Harper's Bazaar, we did an interview together and they said, how do bloggers make money on Instagram? And I was one of the first people to openly talk numbers with someone on Mm -hmm. what kind of money bloggers make on Instagram and how it all works. Mm -hmm. And I was at like 800,000 followers at that point, and then overnight I went to a million followers. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it got picked up by every publication. People were just shocked that I was talking about this. Interesting. And I was like, you know what? There is no reason to bullshit the public. Like, this is... You know, if anything, mm-hmm. let them use this and make an example out of it. Interesting. This is to your point about authenticity, Danielle, when you were saying exactly. that your audience understands that you keep it real. And so you're not doing anything that you wouldn't suggest them that they'd be doing. And you're totally upfront and transparent about everything that you're doing. And that really helps your brand. And, and exactly. S- and so one of the things in this, re- I like this idea of this reality TV show. So you're a fashion blogger and you you talk about style and things like that but it also suggests maybe you talk about your relationship with your mother or you just had a fight with your father or something that also keeps it real because it gives you multi dimensionality do you do things like that my my blog has become so much more of a lifestyle platform Mm, where mm -hmm. i talk about my travel and things i'm eating and my relationships and health and wellness and my fitness have become a huge focus and so really people are now sort of invested in my life and you know they want to no, you know, what are your, what am I eating for breakfast to what hotel mm. am I staying at when I go to Paris? Do you um, ever feel these, bad about all this, like, transparency in your life? Do you ever sometimes... You know, I've done, I, I think that I've done a good job at keeping certain parts of my life private, mm. um, when it, whether it comes to my relationship or my family, but I, I share enough where people still feel like they're invested in my life. In, any close calls with followers, like when you're in public um, sort of venues oh, or yeah. you're... Is that right? Is that you have to kind I, of... I mean, I, yeah, I'll get noticed on the street a lot, but especially when I'm traveling, I've learned to tag my location after I leave the place. Because oh. I remember I was in Istanbul, Turkey, and I was at a hotel, and um, I tagged the hotel that I was at, and I walked outside, or I had all these people commenting, we're waiting outside for you, and walked outside to like 50 people waiting, and wow. it was a little overwhelming, and I didn't feel very safe, but... I've learned how to navigate through that and wow. share without oversharing at the right time. Yeah, that's interesting. So, Okay, so we're still on your career. So we started as a journalist, just we turned the camera. Yeah. You went into a reality mm-hmm. TV show. You started doing the – you had a partner or an agent that helped you make these connections with brands back and forth. And now from what I understand, you've leveraged all of this and you design your own product. I do. I have, oh. so I have a line of overalls and jumpsuits called SSO by Danielle. Um, when I started my blog, my tagline was overalls are my second skin. And <laughs> so uh, it only felt natural to create a brand uh, for something that I was known for, which was wearing overalls and jumpsuits. And it's something I saw a space in the market that didn't exist and it's a niche product and there is no brand out there that just makes this product. And so I started that about a year, two years ago. 
um, and it's been very successful, thankfully. And then I also have a dating suit collaboration that I just signed on to do two more collections with. Oh, nice. I did a jewelry line, and I oh my god, a that's amazing! How old did you say you were? I know she's a, she's twenty six. I'm forty eight. I cl- I cleaned my bathroom this morning. <laughs> I'm, I feel pretty productive and successful, Barbara. Wow. She's in Istanbul uh, designing jewelry. I can't believe and, uh, you. When it, did you know you had all these talents when you started? I think that a lot of, I mean, a lot of it was, it developed over the years. And with me growing up, I think, had a big part part in that. So that's an interesting thing. I mean, now that you are who you are and you're doing all these things, you must do have a lot of interesting relationships and mentors that have helped you learn and develop these kinds of things. Can you yeah, talk a little I bit mean, about that? Without naming names, I have some pretty big power players in my back pocket to dial when I need to. And, hmm. you know, people that have really mentored and helped me through my business decisions throughout the years. And they reached out to you. You reached out to them. How do you find a mentor just, in this business? We just sort of met. I mean, I owe a lot of my success to being a fearless networker. And I would say networking oh. is the most important thing to being successful in my industry. Mm-hmm. And so from a very early stage, i say the only person I probably wouldn't have said hi to in an elevator is Anna Winter, But everyone else was, <laughs> everyone else was totally like I was – I was saying hi. I was giving out my information. I was asking for emails, and I was following up. So wow, that's I really fantastic! Worked on creating those relationships from since I was eighteen. Yeah, so the being lucky is a function of actually being work, working, working hard. hard. Yeah, grinding. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Have you met exactly. Anna Winnetor yet? Yeah, I've, I've been in the room with her a bunch. Nice, <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> so is she going to retire? There's all the speculation. <laughs> I, I think so, soon. Yeah, well, that'd be pretty interesting. So what about that notion of traditional traditional fashion scene and the new scene? You know, like Anna Winter, she's old school, really. Um, and you're talking about a lot of new school. What? How have you divided up all of that kind of stuff? Um, in what sense? Well, I mean, how much of you are on, like... A, you know, do you relate to these new me- to these old media magazines? Or I mean, they're not magazines anymore. I guess everything's on Instagram. But do you do you go do you connect with any of that stuff on your blog? Or yeah, I mean, I'll still do a lot of traditional. Um, I'll do editorial shoots, and I'll still work with magazines. Um, I'll do things like I'll take over for their Instagram channels, or I'll I'll go to their events. Um, but I think that magazines more and more in this traditional media they're getting on board with bloggers so they're having us come in and write articles for them or you know take over certain aspects of their business and and as, you know as time goes on you'll just see them getting on board with influencers it's really the only way to say it one of the things, I mean, I actually blog right now. I started blogging for Forbes.com. And what Forbes has is like the special channel of contributors where if you write enough, I guess you get paid. But a lot of them do it for not being paid. And it's just this whole network of people who are blogging. They're not professional journalists. They have their own journalists and their own mm-hmm. editorial. But then they have this channel of bloggers, which I suppose if you get big enough and good enough, well, you'll become an influencer. Is that s- somewhat what you're talking about there or is it different? Um, yes. I actually know a few people that do that I mean but something with Forbes I was on Forbes 30 under 30 before I turned 25 and that was a personal goal Mm -hmm. of mine now I want to be on the cover like Kylie Jenner (laughs) (laughs) that is awesome let Um, me ask yeah let me ask you this Danielle so in what sense is, you know, because I would imagine that there's there's a certain kind of pressure to this because, you know, you always have to kind of be doing working on the next thing. How do you approach yeah. that? How do you manage that, right? Can you take a vacation? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, learning when to turn it off is very important. I think that, you know, I almost feel guilty if I go a day without posting, but I have mm. to realize that and my followers have to almost appreciate that I'm human, too. And 
um, you know, I just went through a breakup recently and I turned my phone off for a whole weekend. And oh. people were very, very understanding of that. And it was actually beautiful to see that they were okay with me taking a break. And I felt really guilty about it. But then I saw how supportive they were. And I was like, you know what? It's okay to, like, turn it off for a little. But I could I imagine, definitely... actually, you're talking about a breakup. It might be hard on other people in your life who aren't as public as you are. Mm. Is that an issue? Yes. Well, talking about it with respect to the other people is really important as well. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So um, what do you see in your future? Okay, you design jewelry. You have yeah, what, a line. What, what, what are the next what steps for What haven't you Danielle? done and what's next? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think growing my brands and design collaborations will continue to remain a priority for me as well as creating new brands in the future. But, you know, I'll also continue to invest and take equity roles in certain tech companies and startups that I really believe oh, in. Oh, wow. I've always had a more business, but I've always say that I'm way more business than I am creative. Mm. Um, obviously, what I do is is very creative, but I'd like to invest and, and be involved with startups and tech companies and create them. Wow, that's fantastic. That's Good excellent. news for the community. Yeah. Um, and you have all this experience. I mean, you'll start being the mentor to them, I suppose. Hopefully. Yeah, that, it sounds really great. Um, so do you have any um, advice? We just have a couple minutes left, but do you have any advice for these uh, parting words for these people <laughs> who are listening and, and want to follow in your footsteps? I mean, a lot of people, I think, are scared to, to start because they think it's such an oversaturated industry, which it is. Mm. But you really have to find a niche. You have to find something that doesn't exist and do it. And that's really, I think, the only way that you'll be successful now because of how saturated it is. But, I mean... Going back to being a fearless networker, that is my one piece of advice that I will always give because it is so, so important. Fearless networking and find your own niche. You, you can't just come in mainstreaming anymore. You really have to find a niche because it's so crowded. Exactly. Wow, pretty good advice. Well, Danielle Bernstein, congratulations on an incredible career, and I hope you reach Thank 30 you. one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. This is really fun. Excellent. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you'll come back again and tell us about your next success. And if you're interested in keeping up with what's happening with Danielle, head to wewarewhat.com or keep up with her on Instagram at we wore what? When we come back, we're shifting gears and taking a look at how to market yourself as a consultant. We'll have Doug Fletcher discussing his latest book, How Clients Buy. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.